0: Well, on this first Sunday after Easter, as we continue on in Easter Tide, we are beginning a new sermon series. It's called Rules for the Road of Faith. Next Sunday, Michael's going to be preaching on the title, You Can't Drive Forward Without a Rearview Mirror. The next Sunday will be, You Can't Pass in the Slow Lane. And then you can't run on empty, and finally you can't make repairs while in motion. Today, you can't steer a parked car. So, um, I don't know if any of you remember when you were young, um, or perhaps... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I didn't
0: mean that <laughs> um, or or when your kids were young or your grandchildren, but uh, I remember when I was a kid um getting into my dad's station wagon and pretending that I was driving. I just loved that, and it seemed like an eternity until the time I'd ever be able to get a driver's license and you know there's there's something comfortable and and uh, easy about being in a parked car. I mean, you don't have any bumps. There isn't the risk of motion sickness. There's not any risk of having an accident if your car is parked in your driveway. But you can't go anywhere. And if we apply that to our spiritual lives, if you don't go, you don't grow. It's that simple. And There are many people in our society who are uninvolved, passive, disinterested, bored, um, and they don't seem to have much sense of expectation or of mystery. It's almost as if they've been lobotomized. And you know we're all affected by it, TV and Screen time if taken to excess, create a distance between the watcher and the world now oh we have we have twenty four seven with hundreds of channels to choose from and the internet and it makes it seem as th- as though the world is right there and and we're connected you know we have reality shows and all that but there's a difference between watching a movie about driving and actually getting out on the road and driving. Our text from Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 20 says, The Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. To live is to know challenge, problems, adversity, and affliction. No life is removed from those things completely. And it's not that we're just given affliction to be sad, but perhaps to wake us up. And not just to have sorrow, but to become wise over time. There are different levels of affliction in life. You know, um, and challenge and adversity, it's one thing to uh, go without power and, and water uh, for a few days. That's challenging. Uh, to lose your connection to the Internet for hours on end, that can be challenging. To be out on a trip and the battery on your cell phone goes dead and you don't have your GPS to give you directions. Those are all first world problems. Right? They're annoying. But there's a deeper level of of affliction and adversity when you lose a loved one, when you or someone close to you struggles with a serious or terminal illness, when someone close to you or yourself is dealing with drug addiction, alcoholism, or any other ism. There are things that test the soul; these these challenges of adversity, and none of us can escape them completely. We have to deal with affliction at times in our lives, and so we we turn to Scripture at times like that to um, to help us through, and um, we also look to uh, other people. Um, I just did a um, memorial service last week for a young man in his late 40s who died after two years of fighting brain cancer. The church was packed here. Uh, we had people all in the narthex and everywhere. I mean, it was just—it was one of those things. But but what struck me, and I got to know him in the last part of his life. What struck me about this young man is—is is he didn't lose his battle to cancer not really, because he lived with such determination and such a spirit of fighting for the goodness of life and the way he shared himself with others and with his family that he kept giving while he was living, even though the cancer was eating away at his brain. It was an amazing example of how life is not measured by time what we put into it, and how we share the gifts that have been given to us. Do you all know what an owl is? Not the bird, but an A-W-L, owl. There was a young boy who loved going to his father's leather shop. And um, one day when he was three or four years old, He was playing, and an owl dropped off the table and went into his eye. And within a couple of weeks, the infection spread. He lost that eye, but the infection spread, and he lost the other eye. This was um, back in the 1800s, and so there wasn't a lot available to blind people at that time, but they used these crude, large blocks to try to trace out letters so that they could at least learn the alphabet. Well, that young boy eventually used that same owl to create little dots and pieces of paper that could be read by an individual finger. You know what his name was. Louis Braille. And Helen Keller said of Braille that he was to blind people what Gutenberg was to those with sight. Remarkable. Remarkable. So, to turn to Scripture. Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will defile your silver-covered idols and your gold-plated images. You will scatter them like filthy rags, and you will say to them, away with you. We are encouraged to, to keep moving and to stay involved in um in waiting for Godot, Vladimir asks Pozo, Where are you going? And Pozo all unwittingly gives the Christian answer on on I'm moving on in our genesis text that um, that we read. It's a reminder of how God has created all of us in God's image. We are each unique. Think of the nearly, what is it, 7 billion, 8 billion people in the world now that we have. Each individual is unique and distinctive, and yet each created in the image of God. What an amazing thing that is. And part of what is so special about that image is that God, we learn right there in Genesis, is a creating God. That God is a giving God. And so for us to reflect that nature in ourselves, there's something all artists know that that when you create something, you're taking a risk. To live is to risk. To get out on the road of life is to risk. It's so much easier to stay parked and not be out on the road of life. But we are called to be co-creators with God, this one who has gifted us with life in the beginning. You know, Robert Browning said, um, he said, my business is not to remain myself, but to make the absolute best of what God has created. To make the absolute best of what God has created. To be the best David that I can be, and for you to be the best you that you can be. Nobody else can be you, just you. You've got one life to live, so live it. That's part of our call as Christians, is to live that life of faith, to get out on the road. Because you can't steer a parked car. You just can't. You can try, you can pretend, but you can't go anywhere. And so when we look to our teacher, the one who... We look to, for guidance in the life of faith, even Christ, we remember how there was that denial in the garden, his rejection, and his crucifixion. And when they nailed him to the cross, they thought they had stopped him from steering. But oh, the unseen power of God's steering was there at work happening, how amazing, through the crucifixion, that God's purposes could be revealed. Nailed to the cross, you can't steer a parked car, so the world thought, so the world thought. So, it's time. It's time for us to get back on the road, in the way, turning left, turning right, as we hear the teacher give guidance, all in the way, all in the way of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So be it.